It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked on Raptors, it is the return of a fan favorite game for the offseason. It is mid-level madness. I have my bedazzled hat sitting in front of me. I have a whole bunch of names of potential mid-level exception targets for the Toronto Raptors, and we're going to sort through them and go through them rapid-fire style with Joe Wolfon of Pound the Rock and the Score. It should be a lot of fun as we dig into some potential free agent signings for the Raptors this week uh, on today's episode. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1204 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, June the 28th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. You can also go and subscribe to, follow, rate, review the podcast, and all your favorite podcast apps for the low, low price of free in audio form. And you can go to YouTube and subscribe for free as well. Just hit the big red subscribe button to support the show over there. It's much appreciated. Got a lot of comments on yesterday's episode. I don't know if how many people actually liked yesterday's episode where we talked about trading Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant, but that's old news now, baby, because Kyrie Irving is staying in Brooklyn and everything will be fine, right? Nothing to be worried about there if you're a Nets fan in the coming months heading into the season, for sure. I'm sure we'll be talking about this every day for the rest of time. Uh, all right. On today's show, which is, of course, your first listen of the day, and thank you for making it so, we are going to play another round of mid-level madness. I have my bedazzled mustache hat here upside down. I don't want to flip it, so I had to drop all the names out of the hat. And we're going to run through, pull some names out, and to remind you of the concept, we're going to go 90 seconds each on each player, with the guest being Joe Wolfond of Pound the Rock, getting to choose which side he's going to argue before we dive into each player. So uh, let's bring him in now. Joe Wolfond from Pound the Rock and the Score. Joe, how are you, man? I'm pretty good. Um... Yeah, it's good to be here. It's been a while, but it has been a always, while. Always a pleasure. Uh, it's good to see you. Yeah, really happy to have you on the show. I, I suppose we should begin with the big news, though, before we dive in. Maybe a potential mid-level target for the Raptors, uh, you know, pending the results of his time playing in Guelph. Bebe's back. Lucas Nogueira signed with the Guelph Nighthawks of the CEBL. Have you purchased your tickets to go see Bebe in Guelph yet? <laughs> yeah, well, isn't Bebe like kind of problematic? Like, was that? Did we just no? Sort of that like was a fake account. Oh, that it was, was a fake okay. account. Yeah, yeah. He's not a Bolsonaro guy. Uh, that that was deemed to be uh, not actually Bebe. <laughs> In that case, yeah. Let me go uh, cop some tickets right quick. <laughs> uh, no, good for him, man. I'm happy to see him back. Uh, you know, on the the Canada basketball circuit. 
Yeah, if you are looking to watch Bebe in his CEBL debut, I think he'll be making it on Thursday in a game that I will be calling between the Hamilton Honey Badgers and the Guelph Nighthawks in Hamilton. So you can tune into that game on CBC Gem and all that good stuff. The Raptors are not going to sign Bebe Noguera this summer. They might sign some of the other guys I have in, again, this bedazzled hat that I received when I got engaged like three years ago, well before the pandemic began. I get married in a month, finally, and the hat can retire or something. So we got to get one more use out of it here. Uh, we got a bunch of names in here mostly guards i will say there's a couple bigs in here but for the most part with the drafting of christian coloco it does feel like maybe the raptors are going to divert their resources towards uh, ball handling and shooting or at least i think they should and so we're going to focus mostly on guards here we've talked a little bit about a lot of the bigs on previous episodes as well so you can go and check those episodes i think we've done three of them already mid-level madnesses so uh go and get, get your fix if you have yet to watch all of the previous episodes. But Joe, are you ready? Do you understand the rules? Are you all good to go here? Yeah, I think I think I get it. Let's, Excellent. Uh... So I'm going to pull a name out. I will give you first right of refusal as to whether you want you want to argue for or against the player being signed by the Raptors with their 10-ish million dollar mid-level exception or a chunk thereof. And we'll dive right on. The first name I have pulled out is, oh, a big man. Uh, <laughs> it is Jalen Smith of your beloved Indiana Pacers, uh, a guy who I think a lot of Raptors fans have asked about in the comments and stuff like mm. that over the course of the offseason. Uh, not someone who I think I'm terribly enthused about, but uh, Joe, do you want to argue for or against the Toronto Raptors signing Jalen Smith with their mid-level exception? Uh, against. Okay, beautiful. I got the timer set to go. It is rolling. You have 90 seconds starting now. Tell me why you don't want Jalen Smith. Uh, I think that pretty much all the options the Raptors have on the roster already for starter minutes, backup minutes, third string minutes at the five spot are better than what you would get <laughs> from Jalen Smith. And look, I, I mean, if, if you could get him on like a minimum deal, then it'd be worth the flyer. But to spend a chunk on the mid-level on him, like I, I think people saw there was a stretch last season where he was pressed into duty because Aiton was out, JaVale McGee was out, like all of their other centers were out. And he he got a chance to play, and he actually put up some really good numbers. But I think the context there is really important. Like, you're playing in Phoenix in a really pick-and-roll heavy offense with two very dynamic pick-and-roll guards. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to be able to put up decent numbers as a big man who can just, like, set decent screens and, like, roll to the rim. And, like, those are skills that matter. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that... It, <sighs> Like, there's a lot of offensive refinement that still needs to happen there. And then at the other end of the floor, I don't think Jalen Smith is, like, a particularly good defensive player. Um, you saw the Suns kind of switching with him a lot, which some people might see and say, oh, wow, a big that can switch. But I really think, like, I watched him a decent amount. And mm -hmm. the feeling I came away with was they sort of switched with him because they didn't trust him to play drop coverage. And he wasn't an especially good switch big. It was just like the best thing that they could think to do with him at that end of the floor. And like he held up. Oh, okay. Cause they, the, the, the duck alarm is going off. Uh, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't think it's a, it's a great fit really on either end of the floor is what I would, is how I would summarize that argument. I think that is well put. I'm sorry I made the alarm so obnoxious, but it just felt funnier if it was a duck than if just <laughs> it was a regular alarm. Uh, so I got 90 seconds on the clock to argue the other side of things. And 
Look, I think Jalen Smith is someone who I've always kind of had a bit of an affinity for. Uh, as someone, I, I always kind of gravitate towards guys who, when they get drafted, people like laugh at how high they were drafted because it's like, what are we really talking about? How do you know? Like, does it, was he really a waste of the tenth overall pick? Maybe mm-hmm. they did move on from him in the middle of his second season, but it kind of more felt like that was sort of a result of just the fact that the Suns became this contender and were in contender mode. Did they have to trade him for Tory Craig? Probably not. But, you know, I understand sort of how a guy like that can kind of get lost in the mix when you're trying to win championships. I think the mobility is pretty interesting. I think the touch seems kind of interesting as well. And I think if you're sort of someone going into this season, just like assuming Christian Coloco is going to be like the full-time backup center, that's probably putting a lot onto a second round draft pick. We've talked on this podcast about how, yeah, Coloco has some interesting traits and could be playable right away because of the defense. And that's kind of going to bring a high floor for him. But That's a lot to put on a first-year player who hasn't played a ton of basketball, who only played one year of meaningful college basketball under a coach who actually used him correctly at Arizona. And so Jalen Smith, as a sort of chunk of the mid-level, as a flyer, as your sort of backup center in case Christian Coloco doesn't quite work out, I think that could actually be pretty interesting. Of course, it depends what he's looking for. Can you actually get him for, you know, a chunk of the mid-level as opposed to the full thing? Because I don't think you want to spend the full thing on him. And there goes my duck alarm. Uh, Didn't make a very compelling case. I don't think the Toronto Raptors are going to go and sign Jalen Smith. Uh, Joe, I think you're going to win that one. Uh, We're going to come back. We're going to run through a few more names, uh, hopefully some guards, because that's the more interesting side of things. I apologize that I didn't freeze the envelopes or freeze the pieces of paper in the hat to pick out the ones we wanted to talk about. But we will do that on the other side i'll get the blast chiller going uh but before we do that just want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com who are wonderful and going to save you money when you go to the mechanic no one wants to spend money at the mechanic especially have you heard of these gas prices they're pretty high man you don't want to be spending extra money on your car that you don't have to when you have to keep on pouring money into the tank like it's uh you know coming off of trees so instead go to rockauto.com search their super easy to use website for whatever part you need for your car maybe it's a brake part maybe it's a gas cap maybe it's a headlamp whatever it might be they have it all and they have options they have different brands specifications prices and you can choose the part that works for you at the budget that works for you and you don't have to go to the mechanic and just be there to suffer whatever they happen to have in stock or whatever they have to order from the store down the street it's a nightmare and so you take the power back you get to choose the part that you want you can put it in yourself you can take it to the mechanic or do what i do and take it to my father-in-law and he'll be able to put it in because i'm pathetic and don't know cars uh so go to rockauto.com navigate their super easy to use website Find the year, make, model. Their prices are the same if you're a professional or a do-it-yourselfer. It's so, so easy that I can use it, which means it's a pretty darn good website because I know nothing about cars or using technology. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how'd you hear about us box. So know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, we continue on here with the fourth installment of Mid-Level Madness here on Locked on Raptors with Joe Wolfon from The Score. And by the way, the best NBA podcast, Pound the Rock. I know I say this every time you're on, but my God, Joe, it's so good. Uh, thanks, man. I, I mean, that's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of really, really good NBA podcasts out there, but, uh, you know, I, I appreciate it. Highly susceptible to flattery, so... Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. if we swapped out cash for someone uh, with better takes, it might be even a better podcast, but, you know. That's Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go with the next name out of the hat here. The name I have pulled is, ooh, a guy who just, I think, got, uh, I don't know what the proper nomenclature is, but he's not coming back to the Minnesota Timberwolves, but he does feel like a guy Nick Nurse might play 30 minutes despite his inability to shoot. It's Josh Akoji from the Minnesota Timberwolves, formerly uh, you seem unenthused by Josh Akoji. Obviously not a full mid-level guy. Uh, yeah. I, I'm guessing you want to argue against the Raptors going and signing Josh Akoji with a chunk of the mid-level? I do. All right. Time is on the clock. You're on. Yeah. Uh, you're wrong, actually. I love Josh Akoji. I just don't <laughs> love him as a Raptor because th there's got to be some kind of diversification of skill set. Mm -hmm. And as much as he would be a perfect fit within that defensive system, I mean, he does everything they want him to do. Like he, he can be a great on-ball defender, but he is a wicked team defender. He flies around, he fills the gaps, he closes out like a maniac, gets his hands in passing lanes, like an absolute, like he's, he's a hellish, like a menacing team defender, but mm -hmm. um, it's just not what they need. Like, I, I'm sorry, no more wings that can't shoot and can't dribble. Like, I love you, Josh Akoji. I hope you find a home somewhere else where, you know, the offensive infrastructure can absorb your offensive limitations because, you know, I, like at the defensive end, I think he should be good enough to stick in the NBA. But for the Raptors with a, a chunk of the mid-level, I, I have to say no. Man, you did that pretty succinctly. Less than a minute needed to shoot down the idea of Josh Akoji. I will try to argue back. Look, yes, the Raptors have a million guys who do what Josh Akoji does, and that is play defense like a maniac and can't shoot or play offense very good. But I, I do think we're seeing a bit of like a player archetype kind of evolve around what Akoji is, and that is like the sort of offenseless guard who kind of has some guard skills, some passing chops with a little bit of athleticism, who can maybe kind of work as like a small ball big, Gary Payton II, Bruce Brown, these kind of guys come to mind. Maybe that's like the sort of archetype for a Koji going forward. Are the Raptors the team to unlock that? Probably not. They don't run any pick and roll and don't really even have their bigs work as screeners. So yeah, it would be a bit of a change uh, and it might come up the works a little bit, but I do feel like the defense is enough to maybe take a flyer on him. I mean, maybe it's not the mid-level. Maybe this is uh, for biannual uh, bonanza or whatever like that. We could do another version of this podcast for cheaper guys. But I, I think there is something there to sort of tap into. He's had some nice numbers in the past, like not offensively necessarily. Like he's put the ball in the hole a little bit, not terribly efficiently. Uh, he's never shot better than 53% from two-point range. I'm working against myself with this case right now. But I do wonder if maybe there's a sort of archetype that we're seeing the groundwork laid with a guy like Gary Payton the second that maybe a Koji could fill and all of a sudden you're looking at a guy who gives you really high level on ball defense in a playoff series or something like that I don't think I made the case I didn't even let the duck go off uh 
but yeah, I mean, yeah. well, I didn't use my full 90 seconds. So just like sure. quickly rebut the idea, which I think is interesting about the idea of these like non-shooting guards working as role men, you know, like Bruce mm-hmm. Brown, Gary Payton the second, like look at the offensive environments around those guys. Like the Raptors don't yeah. have that. They don't have the spacing <laughs> to make that work. They don't have the guard play really to make that work. Mm-hmm. And so while I think it's a nice idea for a Koji and that could work for him somewhere, I just don't think that somewhere is Toronto. So well taken point. Let's see if I can pull out someone who uh, might actually be interesting for the Raptors to sign. This is not going super well. Uh, all right, here's one. This is a guy that you suggested. Uh, we've got uh, Nick Batum, former LA Clipper, former Apple of Raptors fans' eyes. Remember when they wanted to pay him the max and trade DeMar DeRozan for him and all that stuff? Uh, obviously a long time ago now. But Nick Batum is a free agent. Looks like he's going to test the waters. The Clippers just signed John Wall. Sounds like with their mid-level or something close to it. Uh, So it might mean that Nick Batum is looking to go elsewhere on a team that has, you know, fewer six foot eight wings to compete with. Uh, Mm. So the Raptors would be the perfect place, right? Uh, (laughs) Joe, argue for or against Nick Batum being a Toronto Raptors signing? You have 90 seconds. uh, Actually, I guess say which one you want to do first. Four. All right. You have time uh, starting now. Uh, okay, yeah. So just like off the hop, I would say this is not going to be a full med-le- uh, mid-level type of deal. Like I think, you know, whatever it would work out to, like something in the range of the taxpayer, like five or six million dollars, mm-hmm. I feel like would be reasonable for Batum. And <clears throat> I think if, you know, if you if you take this idea of like, you know, Vision 6-9, like wanting to stack all of these big defensively capable wings together and still have it work at the offensive end of the floor, like Batum ticks all the boxes. Like Mm -hmm. he's a really good, really versatile defender where he can do the on ball stuff, but he's he's super smart in pretty much any team scheme. And actually, you know, as a six foot eight guy who, I don't know what his wingspan is, but he's got, he's got a lot of length. He can work as a secondary rim protector, which is something I feel like the Raptors value a lot because the way that they play defense, that hyper aggressive scheme you need guys on the back line who can rotate, who can scramble, and who can give you that secondary rim protection so you don't get burned if your traps get busted. And I think Batum does that exceptionally well. And he can also like really shoot the ball and he can really pass it. So mm-hmm. I just think like you get the the value of the switchability, of all like the defensive aptitude that he brings while also getting these skills that I feel like you really need on offense, where you get floor spacing, you get somebody who can make the next play, who can really play make from the top of the floor. Uh, I think he'd be a, a tremendous fit. There you go. Wow. You just got it in right under the wire. You'd love to see it. Uh, stop buzzing, you stupid duck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a well-made point. I, I guess I'll go from the other side. You know, Nick Batum is someone who, I'll start my time, uh, you know, he kind of found himself again in LA for sure. And and I think the system that LA is trying to run is kind of similar, I suppose, to the way the Raptors roll things out with, you know, big wings kind of being the biggest creators and all of that. Um, and Nick Batum was obviously a very excellent cog in that. I think he might've been too good for the Raptors to actually afford him. You say like five to 6 million, 
he to me feels like one of the best wing guys sort of in this archetype on the market and i wonder if that might you know result in some team giving him maybe a little bit more i mean obviously the mid-level is kind of probably where he's capped out so maybe the raptors are fine if they just give him the full mid-level but Mm. you know if they have other stuff they want to do like do they want to split that up between a couple guys do they want to uh throw it all at at one guy like batum who i believe now is deep into his 30s 34 uh he's gonna be going to his age 34 season this coming year to me it feels like you know if you're trying to bring back Thad Young and Chris Boucher and you've got Scotty Barnes and you've got Pascal Siakam and you've got Fred Van Vliet. I just don't know if it would be worth the investment it's probably going to take to get Batum because I don't know really where there's a path for him to play more than like 18 minutes a game on this team. And maybe, you know, it's something where you just want to have him just maybe you let Thad Young walk and you just replace Thad with Nick Batum. Maybe that's a bit of a better sort of blend of skill sets because the three-point shooting's there. You're nodding along. I think I've made a point that really sits with you. But I, I'm just not uh, super in on the idea of, like, devoting the full mid-level to a guy who's going to be, like, your ninth man just because of the positional overlap. Um I, my, I, I stopped before the duck went off because I'm very annoyed <laughs> at the stupid duck. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, yeah. I, just to, to be clear, I think if you if you had a chance to get Batum, I would let Thad walk. I, I like yeah. Thad, but Batum's basically just a better version of Thad. So. That's fair. A better version of Thad who uh, actually shoots threes. He's been 40% the last two seasons after uh, a weird dip. I don't know what the hell happened at the end of his Charlotte tenure, man. He got real bad real quick there. Uh, glad to see he's back and playing good ball. We shall see. I do think, uh, actually, you know, as much as I'm trying to argue for the the whole take of it all, I think you're right here. Nick Batum would be a pretty awesome fit. Uh, Let's go now to... I'm going to just... I'm going to gerrymander this one a little bit. I'm just going to pull this guy out because I want to talk about him because no one seems to be talking about him. He's a restricted free agent, Joe. So, you know, it might not be super easy to land him. However, the team he's a restricted free agent for is dumb and does dumb things and just lets guys walk all the time. It is, of course, Dante DiVincenzo of the Sacramento Kings. Uh, you want to argue for or against Dante DiVincenzo to run our Raptors mid-level signing? Uh, I will argue against. All right, beautiful. Go. Uh, you got 90 seconds of the clock starting now. So another guy who, who's like a really, really strong defender, um, especially like... This part, this is where it gets interesting for me because I feel like DiVincenzo, like as a guard, works really well in a in the type of defensive scheme the Raptors don't really run. Like he was so perfect in that Bucks scheme. They played a mm. ton of drop, which really relied on their guards chasing over top of screens. And there's like there's always a place for that. Like screen navigation is a, a really really valuable defensive skill. You know, mm. Fred VanVleet is is proof of that. And it gets more valuable every year as like the league gets more and more pick and roll heavy. But I, I don't know that like he's going to be as valuable defensively in a more sort of like chaotic, more aggressive defensive scheme in the way that the Raptors run it. Like he he can work in that way. Like he makes good rotations, like he's physical, all that stuff. But I feel like he's best as a chaser. And I just don't know if that plays up as much on a Raptors team that's not going to be running a whole ton of drop. And then, like, there have always been some offensive concerns with him. I feel like there are seasons where he he has actually shot it decently well. He's got some ball handling chops. But Mm -hmm. his offensive game, like, really fell off a cliff last season. And whether that was, like, an outlier or a harbinger of things to come, I'm not really sure. But I would just be 
really wary of like jumping in with a mid-level type deal for somebody who would struggle so badly offensively the way he did last year. You got that in exactly 90 seconds. That was bloody impressive clock management, Joe. Bravo. Thank bravo. You. Uh, <laughs> the opposite of a Doc Rivers team out here. Uh, <laughs> so I'll argue for Dante. I'll put the time on the clock. I actually, look, it's hard to get like a mid-level signing on an offer sheet. Like this isn't a thing we see very often. So right. I would say it's very unlikely However, if they could find a way to make it happen, I kind of like DiVincenzo as like a bounce back candidate. Of course, he was hurt during the uh, championship run for the Bucks and came back, only played, what was it, 42 games last season across Milwaukee and Sacramento. Like that feels like, you know, it was a pretty severe injury. Maybe it was just a year where it's not an outlier. It's just, or it is an outlier because he was hurt and because he was working his way back. And then he was sent to the Kings, which is basketball hell. And you're never going to work things out when you go to the Kings, especially as they're working out a whole new thing around De'Aaron Fox and and Demonis Sabonis. Like you're going to get forgotten in that, I think, over the course of, you know, the 25 games he played down there. And, you know, I think he brings things the Raptors both value and need. Obviously, the defense, I, I totally understand the point of maybe with, with the way the Raptors play, he doesn't quite fit the bill. But any dude who can be like a good on-ball defender and fight through screens can play for my team any day. I think that's a fine fit. You can find a way to make it work. And I also think, you know, he's got a little bit of ball handling chops. You can take the burden off of him. He can attack a closeout. He averaged three assists a game back in 2020-21, that season that he got hurt going into the playoffs or during the playoffs. I can't remember exactly when it happened. But, um, you know, I think there is something there to tap into. And as like the third or fourth guard on the Raptors, that feels like a really interesting bounce back candidate to me for a guy who, oh, there goes the timer, who got uh, hurt last year and, you know, didn't really get a chance to even kind of get his feet under him because the Bucks shipped him off to basketball hell. Um, yeah, again, probably not going to happen because it's the uh, you know the mid-level thing and it's he's a restricted free agent and that's just not something you see very often. But again, who knows? The Kings are dumb and do dumb things all the time and let guys walk for no reason all the time. Uh, we're going to get to a few more guys on the other side and uh, I think there's going to be some bangers in there, Joe. We, got, we saved the best for last. So that's coming up after the break. Before we do that, though, just want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.net, your number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's NHL playoffs of Major League Baseball. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, you got injury reports, you got podcasts breaking it all down so you can be the informed wager. Check out BetOnline.net, get all the info you need, and then throw a bet down. Maybe you want to put some money on the Brooklyn Nets not winning the title next year because that thing is definitely going to fall apart once again. Or maybe you want to bet on them winning the title because you're a lunatic. You can do whatever you want, but you can do it at BetOnline.net in an informed and educated way. Go to BetOnline.net Online.net right now. It's the fastest and easiest way to check out all your favorite sporting events. You got the, you know, the team sports, baseball, obviously the main one going on right now. You got the WNBA going strong, and you can also do the one-off events like MMA, boxing, and golf tournaments and stuff like that too. Go and check out the website today on your mobile device. Learn more about the trends and the action at Bet Online, where the game starts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Okay, we are rounding out the fourth installment this offseason of Mid-Level Madness here with Joe Wolfon from Pound the Rock. We're going to pull out another name here. We're going to put 90 seconds on the clock. We have ourselves, oh baby, it's a favorite of yours, Joe, from your beloved Indiana Pacers once again, <laughs> T.J. Warren. T.J. Warren. He's obviously missed a lot of time recently with injury. Uh, he is a UFA this offseason uh, per spot track. I'm pretty sure that's correct. I didn't. It wasn't even on my radar that he was a free agent until I looked it up this morning. Uh, T.J. Warren, Joe, for or against, you have 90 seconds. Choose what you'd like to do. Uh, yeah, I, I was not aware that he was an unrestricted free agent this offseason either, but I will definitely make the argument for Excellent. You, uh, I just made that, your day. I just totally made your day, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you did. I mean, okay. On let's the clock, go. go. <laughs> okay, so the injury is obviously really concerning, and he, he has not played. He played four games in the the 2020-21 season, mm-hmm. like the first four games of the year. And that's it. Those are the only four games he's played basically since the bubble when, you know, some might remember him going supernova. And so, I mean, I don't know what's going on there. There was like a a foot fracture. It didn't heal properly or like something like, I don't exactly know what went sideways there, but it should not have cost him basically two full seasons. And that's a huge Mm -hmm. concern. But if you're talking about sort of worthwhile risks to take, I mean, the thought of having TJ Warren's offense coming off of the Raptors bench where he's turned himself into a fantastic three-point shooter, somebody who can shoot off of movement, somebody who can make plays off of the dribble. Usually, like he's not much of a playmaker for others, but like as a self-creator, somebody who, you know, he's got a really, really nice floater, a great mid-range jump shooter. Like if you get him and he's healthy, like I feel like you kind of hit the jackpot there because mm-hmm. he can play both ways. He's not a great defender, but he's a solid defender. And especially if you are bringing him off the bench, I feel like that's good enough. That's some offensive punch that you could really, really use. And I'm just a huge fan of his game. So roll the dice. You've, you've done it again. Are you, are you? Do you have your own clock going or something where you're like timing yourself to make sure you're on point here? I, the, it's the that internal clock, man. You know, you. like yeah. <laughs> Mike, Mike Conley talking about the internal clock that he has going all the time. It's just like a an A-plus distributor. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I guess that's that's all the time that I need to make the case for uh, for my yeah. guys. Fantastic work. Uh, all right, I will go on the other side of TJ Warren. Look, the, the Raptors last season desperately were yearning for some sort of dependability off the bench. Anyone who could be like an eighth or ninth man who they could just trust to play 18 minutes a game, not screw up, not miss a million threes, not miss defensive rotations. And I don't know if TJ Warren coming off of two lost seasons is the kind of guy that you bank on for dependability. I would imagine there's going to be some rust he's shaking off. And I also kind of worry about my grand vision of this season, which involves Gary Trent Jr. coming off the bench and like a dueling offensive Gary Trent Jr. and TJ Warren's sad isos makes me a little bit sad to think about and a little bit concerned uh, for, you know, the guys that they will be playing with. If you're trying to get Malachi Flynn unlocked, what, him watching TJ Warren and Gary Trent Jr. run the whole offense maybe doesn't feel like the best way to go about that. I also don't really think Malachi Flynn's going to get unlocked, but that's for another day. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it just feels like a little bit too much of the same and not enough of what the Raptors desperately need. I also don't know how much 
you can count on a guy who's missed two full seasons to like come in and then just like learn the Raptors defense. Sure, he has some experience because he was, I, I guess, there sort of on the sidelines, played four games for Nate Bjorkren. So maybe there's a little bit of familiarity with what the Raptors do because Bjorkren ran a lot of their stuff. But it feels like a lot to ask of a guy to just plop him into this team where everything is so complex, everything is so unique that feels like kind of an unfair position to put that guy in, uh, especially if he's kind of looking to rehab his value as my duck starts quacking. Um, but it's an interesting one. Again, didn't even realize he was a free agent until today, and I was very happy to see that he was available because I know you're a TJ Warren head. Uh, let's go to the next guy here. We've got a few good names left to pull out. Uh, look, I'm just going to pull one that I want to talk about, who has been in the hat. We've done this four times. This guy's name has not come out once, so I'm just pulling his name because I don't care. Uh, Malik Monk. Malik Monk has been hitting, hiding in this hat on my desk for like two months and is now available and has been pulled out of the hat. Malik Monk, Joe, for or against signing the current, I guess, former L.A. Laker who is maybe wanting to stay there, but they don't want him. I don't really know what's going on there. Thoughts on Malik Monk? You got 90 seconds on the clock to argue for or against. I'll go for. All right. Time on the clock starts now. Uh, okay. So last couple seasons... Monk has become a really reliable three-point shooter. That was not the case early in his career. Mm-hmm. So that's complementing a skill set where he's already like a pretty dynamic guy with the ball in his hands. Like a lot of downhill burst, really strong in transition, like can actually put some pressure on the rim, which I feel like is something the Raptors desperately need, can shoot it off of movement, can run. I mean, I, I feel like the Raptors would do well to find more guys who can sort of play the other side of an inverted pick and roll. Like that's something they're going to go to a lot with Siakam and Barnes and maybe even OG handling the ball. And Monk did that really well running the two man game with LeBron this year. Mm -hmm. So I feel like he fits right into that. And it's just like compared to some of their other guards, like you can compare him to Gary Trent Jr. And he's just going to give you more of that North South juice where he can actually get to the bucket with some consistency. Uh, the defense is going to be a, a bit of a concern. Like he just hasn't really come along at that end of the floor and mm-hmm. he might give Nick nurse an aneurysm, but <laughs> I, I just feel like they should have the pieces to protect him at that end. And he's still going to give them the offensive pop that I feel like they really need from, you know, a backup guard. Like you made a very salient case in a minute and 20 seconds. And I'm not going to lie. I wanted to make the case for Malik Monk myself. Cause he's been the guy I wanted the Raptors to go after all summer long. I guess there's a little bit of that overlap with Trent that you maybe you're worried about, but also there's enough differentiation, I think, in the way he does it to maybe alleviate those concerns. And, you know, sometimes you just got to have hoopers. And Malik Monk feels like a hooper. And, like, he just, guys who can hit shots, which the Raptors have not had very much of in recent years. I guess the case against him is the defense. Like, you might sign him and Nick Nurse might never, ever, ever play him because he just can't justify it. But uh, I don't have the will to go 90 seconds against Malik Monk because he's the guy I wanted the Raptors to go after all summer long with the full mid-level go nuts. He was uh, quite good last season in, you know, obviously a horrible situation on that disaster of a Lakers team. But uh, I feel like there's uh, a decent to good player hiding there somewhere within Malik Monk, uh, especially if he can just become like a fine defender, which is maybe all you could ask for, but surrounded by good defenders, which he was not last year on that Lakers team that uh, did not want to defend anything. Maybe that kind of covers up and sort of allows him to shine a little bit more as the gunner that he is and should be. Uh, All right, let's go with a couple more here. Round it all out. Uh, 
there we go. <clears throat> I didn't peek through that one, I'm telling you. I just didn't want to take the one guy. There was one big left in there. Sorry, Gorgie Jang, but we're not going to talk about <laughs> you today. Uh, <laughs> all right, we've got an interesting one who you put forth, and I think a lot of Raptors fans are kind of intrigued by as well. Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo. You want to make the case for or against Victor Oladipo? I'll make the case for Victor Oladipo. Okay, beautiful. 90 seconds on the clock. You are on, sir. Okay, so yeah, another one of these guys that I'm not sure it would actually take the full mid-level to get him. Mm-hmm. I might, if it did, I might be hesitant uh, just right. because w- with the injury history and also just like some of the ways that his offensive game has deteriorated uh, in light of those injuries, I think I would be I would be reluctant to go with the full MLE. But if they could get him for part of it, I, I think it's an easy case to make because again, it's hard to find a guard that would fit more perfectly into the Raptors defensive system. Like Oladipo is pretty good on the ball, but he is really good off of the ball. And whether it's just like on those dig downs, like swiping into those dribbling lanes or digging down on post-ups or getting in passing lanes. I mean, you saw all the havoc that he wrought in that conference final series against Boston, just like picking the Jays pockets time after time after time. Like he can really get into guys dribble and, makes dynamite rotations. He covers a lot of ground because of how fast he is. One of the better closeout artists in the league, I feel like. So, and also like a really good low man who just like mm-hmm. as a guard, like that's rare for, you know, to have a guy who's like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, who can actually be disruptive at the rim because of how alert he is, you know, making those timely rotations on the backside. Uh, that's, that's all stuff that the Raptors are going to need. And he fits the bill. And while like his jump shot has kind of fallen apart and he doesn't get to the rim like he used to, he can handle the ball and, and he can, he can make plays at a decent level. So, um, you know, good enough offensively, really, really good defensively. I would, I would roll the dice. Interesting stuff. The case four uh, took more than 90 seconds, which means it's canceled. Uh, there's no, there's no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's a, stricken no, from it's, the record. It is. Uh, no, it's a compelling case. I'll start the, the counter. I mean, I think it's honest. I don't want to repeat the same argument that I did with TJ Warren, but it kind of feels like a similar situation and that the Raptors just kind of need some dependability. And Victor Oladipo played more games this year in the postseason than he has regular season games combined in the last two years. And the injuries have just like never kind of gone away ever since that really, really terrible day where he got hurt against the Raptors is sort of in that second season after his original takeoff year. And it's a huge bummer. You know, he was a guy who I'd kind of envisioned as a future Raptor in some way, shape or form. He really seemed like he fit the bill. But I just wonder if the lack of reliability health-wise is something that would scare the Raptors away, especially if it comes at the cost of the full mid-level. And I wonder if just because of like the name cachet that he has, because there is a lot of upside and sort of known quantity somewhere within there, it maybe does cost the full mid-level. And then you're using that entire resource on a guy who may or may not be able to play the full season, play heavy minutes, whatever it might be. So that concerns me for sure. Uh, You know, I also wonder like... Not to, I don't want to like accuse guys of like kind of going Mike James on everyone or anything like that, but you would assume this would be like a one year reestablish your value type deal for Victor Oladipo. And I wonder how that would fit in a team that 
is pretty egalitarian, is trying to, I would assume, win a lot of games next season and sort of continue this developmental curve to sort of detour things to just kind of have Victor Oladipo on the redemption tour feels like it could be a bit of a weird mix within the team. As the duck goes off, I stop the clock and uh, I I sit here sort of sad that I've just talked against Victor Oladipo for 90 seconds because it'd be fun, man. It'd be really fun to see him turn his career around with the Raptors. Like, I I think you're right on this one, Joe. It'd be really fun. Yeah, I just I think the fit is there, and even if it's a one year prove it deal, like you know, I, I don't see an issue with that necessarily. Like I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to be commandeering the offense at, at right, any right. point. Like uh, that's not really who he is. Uh, it's not really who he's ever been. Yeah, it's a well-made point. I I need to start taking the first right of refusal on these guys because I keep arguing points. You're so right all the time that I'm just like, damn, made good points. Uh, I guess i got to pull something out of my butt to to, to make this concept work. But uh, I think that's going to bring us to the end of Mid-Level Madness. I have two more, three names left in the hat. So I'm going to pull these out real fast. Give me like a 10-second would you, would you not, so we can just say we were completists here. Uh, I will first go with Gorgie J. Poor Gorgie, uh, guy who I feel like has been a future Raptor forever and has never ended up on the Raptors. Uh, quick thoughts on Gorgie Jang. Uh, give me Gorgie Jang on a minimum deal. I, I'll be over the moon. Anything there more than that, I, I don't think so. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, the other guy is Isaiah Hartenstein, who uh, we've talked about before on this show. Very intriguing. Seemed like he was destined to go back to the Clippers, but with the John Wall signing, maybe not so much. Uh, thoughts on Hartenstein? I think as like a 15 minute a game big, he'd be perfect. Like sneakily great passer, really good on the short roll, had some of the best rim protecting numbers in the league last year. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I because I don't think the Raptors are looking for like, I mean, unless like, you know, the 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 like upper echelon bigs are available. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think they're necessarily looking for somebody to play 30 plus minutes a game at the five, but they might be looking for somebody to play like 15 minutes a game at the five. And in that case, I feel like Hardenstein would be a, a really excellent fit. You want to bring Christian Coloco on slow. That is the way to do it. I think he would be, if they are going to sign a big, he's probably top of my list. He was really damn good last season for the Clippers. Last one is Patty Mills, who has a Ooh. player option, I believe. Uh, but uh, would you want to opt into that mess in Brooklyn? I sure wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> so assuming maybe he does opt out, what do you think with Patty Mills? I love Patty Mills. Um, Mm -hmm. He's pretty much all offense at this point. Like you're not going to get a ton from him defensively. He is somebody who does not get through screens very well. Like he's a bit (laughs) of a bug on a windshield. Uh, So that, that would maybe scare me off a bit, but like, again, offensively, I feel like he is almost exactly what the Raptors need. Like somebody who is, first of all, just never stops moving. Mm-hmm. and is an unbelievable shooter off of movement. And I think the kind of things that that could open up for the Raptors offensively, like Gary Trent's a really good shooter, but like they, they don't have anybody with Patty Mills's off-ball gravity. Yeah. And it would be really nice to introduce that element into an offense that, you know, let's face it, can really bog down at times and, and suffer from a lack of spacing. Yeah, I mean, I think any way you can leverage the gravity that a Siakam or Barnes has on their drives and sort of make teams think twice about helping, that sounds pretty awesome to me. And the idea of like Fred and Patty Mills at the same time kind of flying around doing their jitterbug thing away from the ball, 
that seems like a way to really kind of grease the wheels of what the Raptors do on offense. Uh, so yeah, I'm fully in on Patty Mills. Also, uh, very good vibes guy, which we, we love that as well, uh, especially in these parts. All right, man, that is going to do it. Thank you so much for indulging me in my very silly game where I put arbitrary limits on how long you can talk about certain <laughs> players. But I appreciate you for playing along and being a good sport. Uh, anything you would like to promote for the good people out there? Uh, you mentioned it off the top, the Pound the Rock podcast. Uh, I put that out usually twice a week, probably in the offseason, only once a week with uh, my my score brethren, Joseph Cacharo. Um, so that's a general NBA podcast. We'll talk some Raptors in there, but mostly we talk league wide stuff. And then my written work is at the score on the, the app or the website. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joey underscore W. I usually tweet out links to all the stuff that I write. And, uh, yeah, if you're interested, follow along and check me out. Absolutely. Highly recommend pound the rock is my favorite NBA podcast. I look forward to it every week. Uh, you know, it's just fantastic. You guys are awesome. So go support pound the rock, go support Joey W. Don't feel any need to support cash. He's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll wrap it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, please, uh, follow, subscribe, rate, review all that good stuff for free and all your favorite podcast apps. Subscribe on YouTube. If you have not yet, it's much appreciated. It really helps us out when you go ahead and do that. It's free to do. So, uh, thanks in advance for taking, the time and thank you for making us your first listen of the day go make your second listen of the day locked on nba as i'm sure they'll be talking a little bit about kyrie irving and the nets on today's show if that is something you're interested in go and check that out locked on nets might also be a good listen today too uh and we will be back again tomorrow with another episode of locked on raptors unsure what the topic the subject will be probably a mailbag or something like that so uh keep an eye out for the prompt for mailbag questions and we will uh continue forward as free agency gets rolling on i think it's thursday which is crazy uh so we have a busy busy week ahead thank you for tuning in we'll talk to you again on wednesday with another episode of locked on raptors bye-bye hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music Download the Amazon Music app today.